Good evening, everybody. Good evening to everyone at, at home or wherever you're watching. Um, good evening to you all, especially if you're a, a visitor. It's great to be together. We're um, going to read James chapter 1. Uh, so if you've, got, if you've brought a Bible, if you've got it on your device, um, I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, even good Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Amen. This is uh, God's word to us. Um, In our home, um, I like to, to boast terrible thing, uh, about the fact that I passed my driver's uh, license first time, and Hannah only second time. And uh, as you can imagine, that goes down well. It's a bit of a mute uh, boast, really, because Hannah likes to remind me that I learnt um, to drive in rural Banffshire in Scotland, where there was only one set of traffic lights and one roundabout. Um, I hardly, hardly ever had to face any difficult um, situations. Hannah, on the other hand, um, learnt to drive in Preston, which is a, a major uh, town, a busy town with dangerous roads um, around it. And uh, two days after she, she passed, um, her dad made her drive on the, the M6. And she always recalls, or tells the time, when she, after two days of passing a test, she had to face junction 15 of the M6, which is that one on the picture, and it's the where Stoke and um, the A50 
joins from Stoke onto the M6. And she's coming off the A50 onto the M6 northbound. I don't know whether you've ever done it. It's up north, so you might not know where it is. It's pretty blind. You come round the loop like that, and you suddenly see the M6 in front of you, and the car's going like that. Have you ever been on that one? And uh, they're hurtling along. You can't, you haven't got much time. You don't have much to, to, to really, uh, to think about. You just have to join it, and you, you have to just go for it. And I think her dad's thinking was that if you can cope with the trouble spot, like this one, Junction 15, you'll be set for the life of driving. Now, I want to use that illustration in a way. James, the book of James, is taking us through um, the Christian traffic trouble spots, if you like. Um, Some of the sites of, of kind of spiritual tragedy to see the dangers that we might learn to navigate them uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And some of the trouble spots um, James addresses include all sorts of things. We'll see things about our speech, um, about our wealth and poverty, about favoritism, uh, things about worldly wisdom, all these different areas where we need to face head on what, um, what it means to be a growing Christian. And the first trouble spot that James talks about is one of trials. Trials. And as we think about that, let's um, begin with a prayer. Father, we pray now as we look at this um, reading together that you would really speak to us uh, about how we face trials. And we pray that you would um, affect us and, and change us, that we might know you're with us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point is um, we need to, to face the reality of trials, the reality we, we face. Um, James, thought to be the, the brother, uh, the earthly brother of Jesus, writes to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, writing to predominantly Jewish Christians, but um, by what, what he says is really for all of us. And he says, first two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the, lead, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, I want you to notice that word testing. Testing. That's got the connotations, it, um, and the original readers would have known. That was to do with the, the process of, of smelting, the process of which metals are purified under great heat um, so that the, the dross, the, the oxidi- oxides, all fall off, leaving you just with the precious metal. And James is saying that trials um, are like a furnace that will show whether your faith is genuine or not. Um, Jesus said, didn't he, that a servant is not above um, his master. And Jesus faced trials, didn't he, of all kinds. And so his followers will. We have to face that reality if we're we are a follower of Jesus. Now, in many ways, I think our modern world, our modern culture is probably the least ready for trials and suffering. If we think centuries ago, um, people knew that the world was a harsh place. People knew it was a difficult place, that nasty things happen, full of nasty trouble spots, that that life could be taken from you very, very quickly. 
But they also understood that there was a next life. They, they had an understanding of an eternal life, of another life, uh, beyond this one. They had an understanding of and. And in our culture, in Western culture, we kind of lost that. People believe this world is all there is. And what that means is that if you lose things here, if you lose love, if you lose the things around you that you rely on, or happiness or wealth or whatever they might be, there is no kind of consolation to you. There's no, there's no sense of hope or, or a meaning and loses. Meaning goes, everything. And of course, what happens for us as Christians, if you're a Christian here tonight, we're not actually immune to that culture. We breathe that culture. We soak it up all the time. Because our culture will say, if you face trials or suffering, well, then you need to, you need to get back some of that. You need to sue or you need to do some sort of blame. You need to fight it. Because the world around us shouts all the time to us that there is, this is all there is. So if it goes wrong, you have no hope, no eternal, no next, no and. And so we're not prepared to face trials. We are not ready, really, to face a pandemic. I think we've learned lots of that, really. We're not prepared for this moment because our culture doesn't prepare us for it. So when we come hurtling around that corner, um, probably going too fast, we're faced with the reality of trials. We're totally underprepared. So we must face the reality of what James says, whenever your trials, it's not if you have trials, it's whenever, they are going to come. That is the reality of life. It always has been and always will be. At some point, you'll face trials. You may be facing trials now, but we need to face the reality of it. But secondly, how can we face these trials? Well, firstly, um, James tells us, we want to look at what it produces and he says first, he says in verse 2, consider it pure joy. That's massive, isn't it? Consider it pure joy. James is, though, not, not telling us to be masochists, um, as if to sort of delight it in um, uh, trials. Trials are hard. Trials are painful. They're emotional. They're, they're physical. They're, they're all those things. And you may be going through all kind of difficulties and trials right now. I have no idea. I know some of you will be. And what does James say? He says, consider it. The word consider is a, is a thinking word. It's not a feeling word. It's a, it's a thinking word. He wants you to consider it. That means deliberately thinking and getting a perspective on those trials to try and see what trials might produce. As hard as that might sound. And so verse 4 tells us what they produce. Do you see? They produce things like perseverance. They produce maturity, completeness, not lacking anything. If you consider trials correctly, we can grow as disciples. It can smelt the dross away and leave that pure gold. It's not saying you should be happy about your trials. Of course not. No, absolutely not. Uh, when you look at the Lord Jesus, when he faced the tomb of Lazarus, he wept, didn't he? And he got angry over death and pain and evil, uh, and all, because they're not meant to be part of God's original plan. 
But James is pointing out that if you trust God in the trials, if you hold on to him, he can work through those trials like a furnace and, and purify us. One of the passages, so thinking about some of my own life, one of the important passages to me when my father was sort of at the end stage of dementia, just before he died, um, was 2 Corinthians 4.16, which says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And as you hear that, that's Paul speaking, as you hear those words, you need to understand what Paul had faced. He'd faced you know, beatings, he'd faced lashings, he'd faced shipwreck, all sorts of things. Beatings, stonings, the lot. And he calls them lightened momentary troubles. That's hard, isn't it, to get our perspective and our heads around. But it is the eternal perspective. It's an eternal perspective. Do we have that kind of external perspective? I know it's, I find that hard. I know we do. But we've got to consider these things and get that perspective. It's not that trials going on in our lives are in any way good or okay. COVID is not okay. Um, Social isolation, mental health, depression, redundancy, whatever it might be, it's bad, it's terrible. It's not supposed to be that way. But James calls us to get perspective and get a hold onto God. That through those, God can refine us. Yes, the smelting... The method of smelting requires heat. It's, it's, a, it's a place of, uh, that is it's going to be difficult. But look at the end result, eternal glory, wholeness, completeness, maturity, not lacking anything. Now, that's the first thing. But the second, James then gives us something to ask for in verse 5, which is wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, initially, this sounds like a bit odd. Is it a bit left field? Um, wisdom facing trials, what's that all about? But it has everything. Wisdom has everything to do with facing trials. Um, one of the things about being a minister is to, get, is, is, is to get to sit with people at different times of trial, great difficulty, and to see and to walk with them through despair and darkness and troubles and pain. Um, and there's a very often there's very little that can be said or there's very little that can be, be done. Um, it's just simply, I find, in those situations, maybe giving a few verses a prayer, and some others will do exactly the same. And afterwards, I found when people perhaps have come through or the darkness has lifted, um, they'll often say um, something like, you know, there was this thing that stuck with me. It was this verse or this this person who prayed for me at a particular time. It really comforted me, and I found it really helpful. And someone described it a bit like coming through these trials. It's a bit like, um, and I've never done this because I'd be scared to death of doing climbing, but free climbing. Liam's a bit of a climber. It's where you don't have ropes and, or anything. And 
that we go uh, climbing without ropes and you're in a precarious position and you're kind of scrambling about slowly for footholds and for handholds, wherever you can reach. And James is saying when, when the trials come and you're scrabbling about for those footholds and those handholds, you need to pray and ask for wisdom, which where to put your hands and to put your feet so that you can, you can latch onto something that will keep you going. You can't just sort of batten down the hatches and pretend that somehow nothing is going on, that you need to get over the mountain. Eventually, wisdom will require to reach out and to hold on to God, to ask for it. God is very prepared to give it to you. He says here he will give it to us. But James also says here that we need to remain um, loyal to God. Um, verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now we hear the word doubt and we instantly think, oh golly, have I got to be certain about absolutely everything about God? Well, no, that's not quite what it means here. That The word here for doubt is um, dipsychosis, and psychos is the mind, die is double, double-minded. It's about being double-minded. Verse 8 gives us such a person is double-minded and unstable. So doubt here really is about divided loyalties. You're divided, uh, you're, you're double-minded about your loyalties. And so James gives us an illustration, and he uses the illustration of the rich and poor here in verses 9 to 11. And it can seem a bit unconnected to facing trials. But if we understand doubting as being about double-mindedness and having divided loyalties, I think we can see the attitude of the rich and the poor as illustrative. Let me try and explain. We might be divided in loyalties between God and wealth. So when the stock market crashes, the economy goes belly up and you lose everything, your house, your money, what happens is you're crushed. Your anchor is gone because your money was the anchor. And so you can't go on, you can't persevere. But if rich, but if you are rich and wealthy, but you're undivided in loyalties, God comes first, that when the trials do hit, you can weather the storm because no matter what happens, because, because you take great pride in your low position, that you're the same as everybody else, that you're created by God for him and you're loved by God and you're known by him. In our hearts, uh, think about it in the, the opposite direction. If in our hearts we are divided in loyalty between God and wealth, and we are poor, and we face trials every day, struggling to, to stay alive, to put food on the table, when we have divided loyalties, we can become bitter, or we can become uh, uh, envious of others who, who have. But if you're undivided in your loyalty, God is first, you realize your high position. You realize um, that you're a child of God. You're loved by him from all eternity. That one day you're going to inherit 
the father's wealth. Do you see, doubting is to do with divided loyalties of double-mindedness, and he gives us this illustration. So how can we face trials? Well, when we're, we're hurting, and when we're hurtling around that corner and that bend, we need to see what it can produce. It can produce marvelous, wonderful things. Ask for wisdom. Remain loyal to God. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean we have to be happy about these things. God can produce wonderful things through it. Finally, who we face trials with. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. When trials come, it can bring you to maturity in Christ. Um, it can make you into pure gold. But it can have the opposite effect, can't it, with trials. It can make you bitter. It can make you vengeful. It can make you envy. It can make you selfish. It can make you self-absorbed. It can drive you to addiction to cover up all those pains. And we can get ourselves into those kind of behaviours. And we can finish up blaming God and saying it was you that accusing God of tempting us. And James here says no. But trials can turn you equally into pure gold or they can turn you into dross. And it's to do with our evil desires, it says here, for which verse 15 give birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. Now, evil desires here can be it can be the sense of excessive desires. It's more, again, to do with that kind of divided loyalty. It's the desire for, I don't know, for human approval more than God. So if you desire money more than God, or power more than God, or status more than God, and trials come along, your excessive desires, your evil desires for those things lead you into sin to bitterness, envy, hate, and anger, and all those things. If anything other than Jesus is number one in our lives, we're going to be tempted to find security in those things, and they will not last. They will not last. They will not be with us to the end. They will not persevere. Because James says in verse 16, don't be deceived. He doesn't want us to be deceived. We already have all we need in Christ. Look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. God never changes. God is unchanging. He is absolutely resolutely committed to us in Christ. So as we... As we close, we need to see who we face the trials with. The word perseverance um, means steadfast, it, it means resolute, it means immovable. And in a real sense, God is the same. He's all those things, he's unchanging, he does not change like the shifting shadows. So if you think about it um, like this, when Jesus died on the cross... He persevered, didn't he? He was resolute. He was steadfast. On the the cross, the weight of God's wrath 
came down on him for all the sins that we ever committed. We deserved the punishment, but he came down, it came down on him instead. The cross, Jesus stayed. He didn't budge. When trials came, when trials and suffering came, he did not change like shifting shadows. And as a result, God has forgiven us. He's received us as children of God. So as we face trials today, tomorrow, whatever, whenever they come from COVID or whatever it might be, when life is clouding over, the trouble spot hits, we're coming round that, that corner. We need to stand, resolute, persevering, out of love of the one who stood resolutely for you and for me. Saying, we need to say, I will stand because he stood and he died for me. And no matter how dark, how, how gloomy it might get, or how tempted I might be to be dragged away and enticed by other things, I will not move to the right or to the left. I will stay focused on Jesus because he is unchanging. And having stood that test, I will be blessed. As verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. Having stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for Jesus and we love him. We love him for what he has done for us. The one who persevered. The one who went to the extent of the cross. Went through trial. Great suffering and died for us to free us from sin and death. We thank you that he's the one who is with us by the Spirit, through trials and suffering. Father, we pray that we get that perspective on trials. As difficult as it, as it can be when we're in the midst of it, to see what trials can produce, that you can purify us through them. Father, we pray that we would ask for wisdom and that we would be undivided in our loyalty to you. Please help us, we pray, when trials come, that we may consider them pure joy. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.